I don't know about you, but anybody in here need to get just a little energized? <laughs> yeah, I got right. Okay, so here, here's the scoop. Um, if you if you're on social media, take a break. If you're if you're watching a lot of news, take a break. Um, in the spiritual sense, take a fast, whatever that means. And um, man, listen, we 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 serve and we come in here today for a risen Savior. His name's Jesus. And we saw life change this morning. A, a young lady who has said, listen, I'm giving my life to the Lord. And we, we see that. And we're going to get to disciple this young lady going forward and, and to watch Coley Beth grow in the admonition of the Lord. And so we're here today because we serve the risen King Jesus. Okay, that's, that's all I got. Okay, so that's good. All right. So last, last several weeks, we did a memory verse. Anybody remember which memory verse it was? I'm not going to ask you to come up here and say it. I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, Romans 12, 2, right? Okay. Today we're going to do Colossians 2, 8. This will set the foundation really for the next three weeks. The memory verse, Colossians 2, 8, here's what it says in the CSB translation. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. Good place for an amen. Hey, listen, be careful. See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it. Be careful. It's a warning. It's flashing lights for you to see. Hey, listen, listen. Be careful. See to it that no one takes you captive by their emptiness in this world. See to it that the only thing that takes you captive is Christ. And that's what we're going to look at over the next three weeks is based off this. I, I, I believe I agree 100% with Larry Osborne, and I, don't, I forget when the book was written, but he wrote this in a book, and here's just one statement from the book. And I was just wor- this is worth the whole thing for today. We live in a world gone haywire. Yeah, I think they've got an amen, got a hearty one on that one, hands going up everywhere. Here's what he goes on to say. Our moral fabric seems to be decaying at breakneck speed. Things that were once shamefully hidden are now publicly celebrated. The previously unimaginable has become commonplace. In a few short decades, our culture's response to Bible-believing Christians has gone from grudging respect to a patronizing pat on the head to a marginalizing indifference to outright hostility. We live in a world gone haywire. And if you've watched... The news lately has gone haywire. If you've been on social media, it's gone haywire. If you've chosen to step into the arena and engage some of the conversations, you may have gotten into some good ones enough, so much so that you might have just had to delete it off your Facebook page or Twitter account, whatever, right? But we live in a world gone haywire, and today I want us to look in the life of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, just go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 1. And, and I love the book of Daniel, and I, I love lifting out some nuggets out of his, out of his uh, scripture here of Daniel, looking at his life. And we're going we're gonna to go through the entire first chapter uh, of Daniel. We won't be here long, I t- promise. But to give us a little bit of a backdrop while you're going there, it was already prophesied that the people of Israel was going to go into captivity. So the exile was coming. There was going to be a time where these people were going to go uh, be captive by the Babylonians. 
And in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 14, and here's just a few of the nuggets out of the chapter. Here's what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah. You have not obeyed or paid attention. Turn, each of you, from your evil way of life. Do not follow other gods and bow down to them. You have not obeyed me. Because you have not obeyed me, I am sending King Nebuchadnezzar to completely destroy them and make an example of them. I will eliminate, listen to this, the sound of joy and gladness from them. The whole land will become desolate for 70 years. After 70 years, I, God, will punish the king of Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not happy news this morning. But if you, if you feel like I do, we're somewhat being pulled and sucked into this exile land today. And there's some of this that we can see that's playing true. You've not obeyed me. You're not paying attention. Turn from your ways. You know, we can hear repentance being preached by um, John the Baptist. Repent. Turn away. You want the nation to be healed. Get on your knees. Repent from your wicked ways and I'll heal your land. You have not obeyed me. What happens when your kids don't obey you, parents? They get rewarded? Woo, yeah. I heard it back there. I heard it back there. That's right. Absolutely. What seems to be in Daniel chapter 1 and through this text may not necessarily be what kind of seems at the surface of the story. What's really there may not be what you kind of lift out of this thing. And I want us to look at this today. So Daniel chapter 1. And, um, and then if you will, let's just stand. I'm going to read the first, uh, the first seven verses and then I'll, I'll have you be seated. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. Now, boy, those are some, those are some pretty strong words, laid siege to it. That, that means he didn't come and put them in time out. It doesn't mean that he just slapped them on the hand. I mean, laid siege to Jerusalem. I mean, just put the wood to it, so to say. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Aspenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledge, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Let's pray. Father, this morning, speak to us. May the words of our heart be pleasing to you this morning, Father. Speak to us as only you can through your text. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first thing that I want to see in this first particular passage that I just read is simply this. Realize God 
in His sovereignty, puts you in a difficult place to spread His gospel. Realize that God in His sovereignty puts you in a difficult place to spread His gospel. Verses 1 and 2. In the, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid And then verse 2, the Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him. This was by design from God. God's hand was all over this. And sometimes we get in some of those difficult situations as well in our life. And in those difficult situations, God's got everything in control. Right now in COVID-19, we've got a perfect storm. Eugene and I were talking about this the other day, but we're in a perfect storm right now. You realize that? COVID-19, going to hibernation, get away from everybody, just get in isolation where the devil can do his biggest work. He's in isolation. A downturn in the economy where we put a lot of security and faith in our finances. Rioting, social injustices, racial Tension. We're just in a perfect trifecta right now of everything right there. But how are we going to respond? Is it such a case that right now we can say this, that we realize that God and His sovereignty has put us in a difficult place to spread the gospel right here in our back door? It's very difficult in this situation. But maybe God has put in His sovereignty us right here for such a time as this. So that way we can speak as only the church can into a culture that needs Christ and needs to hear the gospel message preached. Maybe God's put us in this place where, hey, we've got to be totally 100% dependent on Him. Not our finances, not government, not our parents, not our grandparents, nobody else but God. Maybe that's where we are. But realize that in God's sovereignty, He's put us here so that His glory can shine, His gospel can spread, His gospel message can be shown and spread to everyone around. I'm going to give you a couple statements here. What matters when the crisis comes is the unshakable fact that God has not been taken by surprise. No matter how much we didn't see this coming, God did. No matter how much we haven't seen what's going on right now, He sees the whole picture. That should give us comfort. That should give us a little bit of rest. It should give us a little bit of peace. And the second statement is this. In the moment of crisis, the most important thing to be said is that God is still there and He's in the driver's seat. No matter what you're facing, no matter what your fears are, no matter what you're struggling with, listen, God is still there. He hasn't left you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And right now, He's with you in the midst of this crisis. He's always been there. In 13 weeks or 18 weeks or 2 years or 10, He has not left you. He's still with you. He's still with us today right now as we're starting to come out of COVID-19 and figure out how this thing works. I mean, I kind of chuckled back here a while ago. I mean, do, we, do we bump? Do we shake hands? Do we elbow? Do we foot? I mean, I don't know what to do. I'm as confused as you are. And I just want to shake hands and hug necks. That's just the southern thing to do, right? Or high five and whatever we got to do. We're in the, listen, God is still in control. God, listen, God is still in control in spite of what's going on around the world with this social injustice stuff that's going on and this racial tension that's happening. And we've got great cops in our congregation that love people, that protect you and I. And we love them and appreciate them. 
I can promise you, you do not want me to strap on a gun and me defend you. Because, Gina's shaking her head, Barney will have to take his bullet out of his pocket and put it in the gun. We don't want humanity to take it into their own hands. But God's sovereignty, he, he handed it. Listen, I want, to, I want to give you a psalm. Just write the number down because I want this to give this to you. Because, listen, I feel like coming out of COVID-19 a little bit right now, we've been just riddled with fear and the unknown and the uncertainties, and we're still struggling with those things. Like, I mean, no, as soon as, okay, what if I just coughed one time? What kind of reaction would you give me? I hope I don't cough, but if, you, if I, right? I mean, you're right, and everybody's going, oh, no, mask, Right? Listen to these words from the psalmist in Psalm 46. Let me read it to you. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore we will not be afraid though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas. Though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage. Kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, come. See the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop fighting and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations and exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And if there's ever a time right now that we've been alive, it's time. Right now it's time. It's one of those moments. We need to cry out to him. The Lord is our help. Just like Daniel saw right here. Hey, listen, the Lord handed them over to the Babylonians. And in his sovereignty, in his sovereignty, he's still in control. Let him do his work. The second thing I want us to see in verses 3 through 7, and here's the point. Number two, be prepared to face all kinds of challenges. See, you're going to face all kinds of challenges in this life. We're facing all kinds of challenges right now. We've named some of those just a few moments ago. And how we walk through the rest of this life is going to be very interesting for us. I mean, especially for the next, like, 12 months. It's going to be very interesting how we navigate through this. How the schools operate. Are they going to go with masks every day? Are they going to walk single file, six feet apart everywhere? Are they, I mean, it's... People just going to start homeschooling now because of that's happening. They, they feel, I mean, what, what, what's going We don't know. But God is our help. And we've got to be prepared to face all these challenges. In verse 3 through 7, we see what's happening with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see what's happening to them. And it's just a few things that, that we can look at. They were to be taught the Chaldean language and also Aramaic. There's another thread of that too. And I've got a good friend of mine that's overseas and he's very fluent in, in Aramaic language and it's a very difficult language. I have hard enough time trying to do English as you haven't already found out. Hillbilly is probably my favorite, all right? Language, okay? And then 
The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine they drank, and they were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. So they had all these things. So if we can think about this, I'm going to give you four words here just, just in this. Isolation, indoctrination, assimilation, confusion. All right, I'm going to say them again. Isolation. They were taken away from everything familiar, family, friends, and home. Daniel and his friends were taken from everything that they knew that was familiar to them. Now, I I know some of you in this room don't live in Osceola. Or you don't live in Fitzgerald. This may be like your home, but you've been transplanted somewhere else around the world. Or maybe you have left for a season of time, as some of you have, to live in another area. Or, hey, listen, or you're, you're in college, going to college somewhere else. So the home is here, but you're living somewhere else. Well, these young men were taken at a young age away from everything familiar, family, friends, and home. And, and the second thing, indoctrination. They were now having to learn a new language, a new literature, astrology, about a new god named Marduk, and brainwashing. How about that for, for takers? Who in here would like your kids to go through that? We think we have it bad. Assimilation. They were now going to a total immersion in the new culture, a new lifestyle, and a new food. And then lastly, confusion. New Babylonian names. See, the changing names in the ancient world was a big deal. We give our kids names, but it's not as big deal as it was then. Okay, their names meant something. It's to change their name was a way to change their identity and even to the core of who they were. I mean, we, we give our, our kids names based off of family members and things like that, but they really gave them names that meant something in life and, and that they had to say, hey, listen, they identified with a, a certain group of people. So, hey, listen, Daniel, here's what Daniel means. God is my judge. Belteshazzar, the new name is Bel protect his life. Hananiah, the Lord shows grace. His name changed to Shadrach, was command of Eku, the moon god. Mishael, who is like God, was changed to Meshach. Why, as, why is as a cuckoo is? And then Azariah, the Lord is my help to Abednego, which is the servant of Nebo. See, the name of the true living God in these men was replaced by false God's names of Babylon. See that? I mean, I I don't know any of us that go and we leave our particular home to go off to school and now you're getting a new name to some type of other God that's out there. But we've got to be careful that there's other gods out there lurking that can take you away from the true living God. See, they were immersed in an idolatrous culture with what looked to be little resistance. And yet, as the book demonstrates, they did not sell out. And the line they drew between themselves and Babylonian ways enabled them to bear witness to God in a place that would not otherwise have known Him. See, God had a bigger plan in their lives. Do you realize that God has a bigger plan in your life? God has a bigger plan for you. There's a bigger picture. Yes, there were challenges. There was a culture change, a language change, a name change. But God used this for his bigger plan and his glory. But we don't like going through some of those hard times, do we? 
We don't like facing those challenges and those other trials. But listen to what James says in, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I mean, 2, 3, and 4. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, Daniel didn't whine and complain. His friends didn't whine and complain. And when we go through challenges and trials and struggles in this life, consider it all joy. Why? Because endurance. Why? So that you will be complete, lacking nothing in this life. Isn't that a great thing? I'm so glad James wrote that for us. Well, first, we realize God in His sovereignty puts you in a difficult place to spread His gospel. We also need to be prepared to face all kinds of challenges. But in verses 8 through 13, we're going to see that Daniel made the decision to live for God, to live for Christ without compromise. Verses 8 through, thir- uh, through 13. Daniel determined that, the, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your face is looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servant for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your service based on what you see. See, there's a couple of things. There was Daniel's resolve, there was Daniel's favor, and there was Daniel's wisdom. And Daniel's resolve, it said he determined. Other translations say resolved, or he purposed in his heart, or he made up his mind. It means to firmly resolve. And I think about that, that particular part. When you're, when you're battling something like that, and, and you're having to stand up against something, it's something you, you've already made up your mind about that core conviction. You've already made up in your mind, I am not going to do X, Y, and Z. And where do you learn it? Not on the spot. You've, you've learned it way beforehand. I remember John Maxwell talking about a story where he was flown to 21 cities in 21 days. And they were approaching a city one time, and they were, they were about to land. And um, that, that plane just dropped out of the sky and hit that runway. And, of course, what does everybody do? They go, oh, hey, it's a great time. We're on. No, no, no. They were all fearful for their life, of course, right? And that, that pilot took that plane right back up in the air, circled around a couple of times, and came back and landed the plane. Everybody cheered. Everybody clapped, high fived each other, whoo, kissed the ground. I mean, everything that they did. But he walked up to the pilot and said, hey, sir, I noticed that when we were approaching that runway and we're about to land, and it, you, you took the plane back up in the sky. Why'd you do that? He said, well, first off, he said, um, there's a lot more space to work with up in the air than down here. And he said, well, that's great, but, but where did you learn that? And he said, 20 years ago in the flight simulator. So 20 years ago, there's a spot in time that this was going to come to fruition. He was going to have to use that experience and expertise to solve this situation. They're coming in. He learned it 20 years ago. See, for you and I to face the battles and the challenges that we have at hand, 
We've got to resolve like Daniel did in our life. And we've got to put some of those core convictions and principles and promises in our life. So when we face that situation, we have a resolve like that. Say, hey, where did you learn that? Hey, where did you learn that, Jeff? Where did you learn that, Bill? Where did you learn that, Sally? Oh, I learned that like 20 years ago in Awana. Or, hey, I learned that 20 years ago in children's ministry. Oh, hey, I learned that five years ago when that preacher said... Or, hey, I learned, I learned it when just a friend of mine was, was over the house and we were studying scriptures. And, man, I resolved at that moment that that situation, now, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. There's a resolve. The resolve in the life to do that. And so well, we see that in Daniel. Daniel refused to let the worldview of Babylon, listen to this, win his heart. You and I are in the same struggle. We've got to make sure that this sin, sick, riddled culture doesn't win our heart that god wins our heart if you remember just a minute ago listen we 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 saw psalm chapter one before i came up how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers instead his delight is in the lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season its leaf does not wither Whatever he does prospers. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Man, the, the meditating on God's Word day and night to help you be prosperous, to help you understand this situation comes. This is what I'm telling you. This is what the worldview is telling you. No, this is what God's telling me. You have a resolve in your spirit to go, hey, ding, 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 that's wrong. This is right. Deuteronomy 6, 4, I think, is one of those verses that we could see that was one of Daniel's probably favorite verses. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. Believers today may disagree with official policies and even with each other, but they should follow Daniel's example in disagreeing in an agreeable fashion. Can I say that again? I think I need to. Believers today may disagree with official policies and even with each other, but they should follow Daniel's example in disagreeing in an agreeable fashion. Agree to disagree. We've lost this today. How so? All right. Who has a friend that's put on your face on their Facebook page to tell everybody in the world, hey, listen, you don't agree with me, you don't like what I then unfriend me. When you do that, you just totally cut off communication. And you can say, listen, I respectfully disagree with your position. This is what I believe based off God's Word. But learn how to agree to disagree. If we could get that in our psyche a little bit, we would probably be a lot better off today, wouldn't we? Another thing we see in this particular passage is Daniel's favor. Daniel won the favor of the chief eunuch and the king. Listen, the, the, the eunuch did not have to give them vegetables and water. He was ordered and instructed on his life to give them what the king ordered them to eat and, and them to drink, period. But he won them over and said, hey, just can you just do this? Well, you know how Daniel did it? Grace and humility. He could have been defiant. He could have rioted. He could have protested. He could have done all the things we're seeing today, but instead, what did he do? He just exercised his whole life. Because he could have lost his life right there standing on it, but instead he walked in grace and in humility. And then we see Daniel's wisdom. And I wrote in my notes, I said, man, Daniel's wisdom was awesome. 
Well, wasn't this great? Hey, listen, chief eunuch, just do this. Feed us vegetables and water for 10 days and just see. Just take an evaluation on how we look. Just to see how we look. Just give it 10 days. Just, just water vegetables and serve the king's food to everybody else. But just look at us after 10. Wasn't that brilliant? That was great. He got what he wanted. And, and, and here's the thing about it. That was the one thing that he basically refused to do out of all those things we, that we did. I mean, he studied the language. He studied the literature. He did all those things. But the one thing he didn't do is he didn't want to defile himself with the king's food. But I think this one thing, that was the one area where God could get the glory because of how he shaped their body type immediately. I mean, I, I'm sure most of you, just like me, would like to change my body size and shape in 10 days where you see a noticeable difference. God gets the glory. Realize God and his sovereignty puts you in a difficult place to spread his gospel. Be prepared to face all kinds of challenges. Make the decision to live for Christ without compromise. Daniel didn't compromise. The boys didn't compromise. And in this life, you've got to be able to do the same thing. You can't compromise the scripture at all. The gospel's the gospel. God's word is God's word. It, it, it's active. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's there for rebuking and correcting. It's there for us to be encouraged with and to shape our lives and pattern after Jesus Christ, period. And it's truth. And I, I mean, I, I hate it, man. People talk about, well, this news and that news and this news and that news. and this. Listen, all of it's fake. Jesus' word is the only truth we have today. Depend on him. Open up God's Word and open up to see what it says. That's all we have to have. But be wise, not in your own eyes, in His. And then verses 14 through 21, we see that God gives everything that you need. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they, they were to drink and gave them vegetables. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding and every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. And at the end of time that the king had, had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king in every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Physically, they looked healthier. Mentally, they, their knowledge and their understanding was much greater. Spiritually, visions and interpret dreams was far greater. Socially, they stood Head and shoulders above all the rest. There was no one equal, and they were that impressive. Kenny, do you mean to tell me that if I stand like Daniel does on his word and know that he can change me, and I, I have a resolve in my heart to live like that, that maybe I can be impressive to others out there? 100%. We're the agents that God is using for change in this world and this life today. We're the only ones that have any hope. We're the only ones that have the truth. We're the only ones that have a life that's abundant and full that can share to a dying and lost world His love, His grace, His mercy, 
We're, the, we're those agents. We can't turn to any other source but to Him. And the people out there need us so badly. Colossians 3, 22 to 24 says this, Slaves, obey your human masters and everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. See, here's some things that Daniel knew. God was in control. God's hand was in every detail. No matter what happened, God was bigger. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great perspective for us to have? Daniel and his friends, in essence, they remained faithful to their identity in God. No matter what name change they had, their original names in God was still who they were. Their identity was still there. Their core being was still there. They also remained faithful by obeying God. They didn't check out and be disobedient. They were obeying Him even through that trial and situation they were in. They also remained faithful in their witness to the king, the leadership, and others around them. But folks, I have something even better today for you. 600 years later, a better Daniel came, and his name's Jesus. Jesus left his home to come to this earth. Jesus found favor with God and with man. How did Satan tempt Jesus with food? Jesus' response was very simply this, quoting the Old Testament. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He lived, he died, and he rose again. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. And if I can leave you today with this, I want to leave you with this, th- these thoughts. There's a prayer that's given or just a benediction given from a pastor. And here's what he said every week. Friends, we live in a world where a resurrection has happened. Well, won everybody over there. When God appears to have lost or to be losing, remember, a resurrection has happened. He is never out of control, not in the garden, not with the ark, not with the temple vessels, not at the cross, and not in our lives today. COVID-19, the resurrection has happened. The downturn in the economy and job situations, the resurrection has happened. Racial tension, rooting, lighting, uh, looting, and chaos in this world, the resurrection has happened. Quarantine, the resurrection has happened. When this world has gone haywire, guess what? The resurrection has happened. I hope you feel more energetic today. I hope you don't live in fear or feel like you've been downtrodden by, by the world, by watching everything that's going on. And we're going to see another, another snapshot of Daniel's life over the next two weeks. And we're going to see some good stuff next week. I hope you're back again next week. God is in control of all this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The resurrection has already happened. Let's walk in that way today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing, what you have done, what you continue to do. Lord, there's so much in Daniel's life we could take out of these first 21 verses, but Father, I pray that you, you will just multiply that word to all of us, challenge us, shape us, mold us. And Father, I thank you even, even in Daniel's life and looking at him, Father, that Jesus is the better. <laughs> that 600 years later, you came, Father, to walk a life, to call, to, to get other men 
to follow you and to pour into their life. That they're wrestling with a, a human nature and now they've got a, 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 a spirit, na- spirit nature. And Father, they're walking with you and there's this wrestling and tugging and you continue to shape and mold them. And man, the church just starts exploding in acts. And Father, it's only because of you and your spirit. Father, may we realize that we are not in control. Your entire hand is on everything that's going on in our midst right now. But, Father, may we press into those areas and say, Father, we just trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We believe you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. Truth is, you, you never stop. God, today you get all the glory and praise for this. In your name I pray. Amen. I'm just going to ask right now, just what we've, we just had this online opportunity, and I'm going to close that, that online part down so we can just be friends in here today after that's over with. I just feel like that's good for us. If there's someone that's been online, that's been watching today, I, wanna, I just pray that, man, just reach out to us online. I'd love to chat with you. If there's truly a life change or a wrestle or a struggle that you have and you see, hey, this, this world has gone haywire, but I don't know how to navigate through it. I just want to learn more. I'm going to ask you to go online and just reach out to us and we'll, we'll follow back up.